Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome back to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. My name's Dan Carson. I got with me my friend, Chris Vines. Hey, Dan, and uh, Happy New Year to you, brother. Happy New Year. I'm... I cannot believe it's 2023. Uh, There's a lot of things happening in my life. Hopefully, this year will mark the graduation of my daughter. She's supposed to graduate from CBC at the end of this year. And then hopefully, I'll graduate from seminary at the end of this year. But that's that's still up in in the air. So That's awesome. (laughs) You know, that CBC uh, place, I heard that they sponsor a really cool podcast. They do the Student Ministry Matters podcast. <laughs> we we love our podcast partner, Central Baptist College. They are challenging, engaging, and inspiring. And if you have a student trying to figure out what's next for their educational journey, whether it, they have a desire to be a teacher, an accountant, a scientist, a doctor, or serve in ministry, CBC is the place for them. So have them check it out. Go to cbc.edu, contact their admission staff, and they'd be more than happy to schedule a visit or just spend some time on the phone talking to you about what they offer there at Central Baptist College. Uh, right now, as this podcast release, we're still haven't got quite to homecoming 2023 for CBC, and that's always a fun time. Uh, One of the great things is that we actually, my wife and I and others that set it up, uh, we have a endowed scholarship that honors my father. He's since been uh, promoted to heaven. (laughs) And so, uh, but my daughter has actually received that scholarship. So they sponsor a breakfast where I get to have breakfast with my daughter. So I'm always excited about that. That's fun. Yeah. (laughs) Well, listen, Chris, um, we want to hop into our conversation today. We're talking about retreats. We're going to spend at least a couple of episodes talking about that. I think that's a a valuable and important area that a lot of student ministries have, I don't want to say neglected because it does, it's not a fit for everybody, Uh, but they have said, well, I don't know about that. I don't understand what that might look like for us. And so I thought it'd be good for us to talk about what a retreat could be and what it could do for our student ministries. And so today we're going to talk about really what retreats are and the value of those retreats. And so we just want to spend some time with that. Let's let's just hop right in though. What what are we talking about when we say a retreat? How is that different from going to church camp or going to a conference or even a D now weekend? Yeah, so I think that's a great question. And you know, as I think about it and have thought about it, I. I feel like depending on where your church is and maybe what the culture is around your church, uh, the context rather around your church, you might answer that question a little bit differently. But I think it is worth our our time to just think about, okay, we hear all these different kinds of youth events. So a Discipleship Now weekend, you said it, a camp, uh, a conference, you know, a, a lock-in, which is a curse word, as you've heard me say before. 
but none, nonetheless, you've got all these different types of youth events. And, and then, you know, of course, you've got mission trips and all these. Things. So like, what is a retreat? And, and again, what's the value of it? What's the purpose of it? Now, for us in Arkansas, we live in the natural state. And so when we think of retreat, we probably, uh, Dan, have a similar image that comes to mind. We might think of, you know, a cozy cabin with uh, with a, a fire lit and maybe have some outdoor space to be able to do s'mores and ba- basically just opportunity to get off the grid, you know, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and to be able to get into a place where uh, there's no cell service um, and to be able to just, you know, get silent and, and have a, a reflective place. And so I think that, um, plays a large part. And of course, as we get into this conversation in part two, we'll talk about some logistics and, um, you know, content and that kind of thing. But for now, I think it's just the definition I would give and the way I would distinguish a retreat from say like a D now or a, a conference, it, it really has to do with the place that you have it and uh, and really who is there so uh, i would say where and who um, have have a lot to do with the definition of what a retreat is the where doesn't have to be a cabin it doesn't have to be you know in a in a cozy place it doesn't have to be you know in the winter Um, that's that happens to be when we try to do our retreat is when it's cold outside just because i think there's something about sitting around a fire and having that type of environment but we do look to go to places where it's off the grid, right? And so, um, and that that gets me to the who, which is usually our group. Um, I, I sometimes invite maybe another local church that has a smaller youth group to just come and join us as well to just have some camaraderie there. But um, I want the retreat. I think the retreat needs to be for for your group. And one of the emphasis the emphases of a of a retreat would be the fact that you're getting off the grid. And so. Um, no cell phones. You know, the, the, the purpose of this is to actually retreat away for a, a short season, for a short time to be able to recenter and to be able to even revive, you know, uh, and renew our hearts and our minds around God's word, around what God um, has uh, in store for our lives and the, the time and place that we find ourselves, and ultimately to be able to come back refreshed and renewed. Uh, to serve him um, and to pursue him in a uh, in a very um, eager eager way. You know, I think about, of course, our setting. We live in Arkansas. I live in Northwest Arkansas. Chris lives in, I guess, that's Southern Arkansas. Is that? Oh yeah, you don't get you don't get any further south than where we are. Before you fall into Louisiana or Texas, or Texas. Know. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so. Well, and. Arkansas is a beautiful state. There's a lot of places to go. What might that look like? Let's say you're in a more urban setting. You're in a California city or, you know, a larger place. Mm -hmm. What could that look like for someone in in that scenario? Any thoughts? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've never, I've never done ministry in an, well, I take that back. I've volunteered within like the, uh, the Dallas Metroplex at a, at a big church. So I've been down there. And so, but, but yeah, my thought would be if you want to have a retreat, um, again, get clear on what your purpose is and who you want there. And again, for me, a retreat has to do with everything I just said. It's a matter of kind of getting off the grid. It's a place where, you know, you, you restrict phones um, as best you can, in my opinion. 
so that so that kids can just really unplug. Um, and so I, I would if I were in that kind of scenario, that kind of setting, I would I would first just kind of look around me, like within a maybe a three hour radius. Um, are, are there any kind of retreat centers? Are there any kind of places that I can go? you know, and, and do that. And so if there, if there are, then, then I start exploring those options. How much are they going to cost? Because some places are really expensive. Some places are a little bit more reasonable and you've got to factor all that in, but that's, that's kind of my starting place is like, okay, where, because I think it's, I think it does matter about where you go. Um, and there's, there's, uh, there's real benefit in going that said, if, if maybe the nearest place to go is man, just too far to travel for you, then, then that's when I start thinking more of, okay, well, how can I kind of create this space within my context? Right. And, and that, that's, that's, that gets into the conversation of, all right, can I utilize the the facilities of our church in a particular way? Um, can I bring in church members and, and think about how, uh, like, does any of our church members have maybe some land or uh, some places where, where we can go, for a day, you know, so like, can we, can we do something at the church and then travel to a particular isolated location and maybe even have some hospitality shown from a church member? So I think that again, when you get your, the, the why, right. When you know your why, then, then you can start kind of fitting in all these other pieces into, um, in, into that why. Well, you mentioned the where, but you also mentioned the who. That's mm-hmm. a question that I've had. When we look at retreats, should we see this just as those that are active parts of our student ministry um, or should they be inviting friends? Uh, what, what does that look like? Sure. That's no, that's a great question. And I don't know if I'm, uh, I wouldn't say that I have the uh, definitive voice on that. Uh, but I, I, I know like for me, again, the purpose of our retreat is, is really for our group. Um, now, if a, if a kid wants to invite a friend, I don't, I don't tell them not to. Um, in fact, I, I've got that question coming, you know, even now about an upcoming retreat that we're doing. We'll do a retreat uh, here in about a month in uh, the first weekend of February and going, you know, again, to a, a location that I'm really excited about. Um, and, and we've got some kids that I know they're, they're going to want to bring a friend um, to that. But I, I really I really try to keep it small. I try to keep it uh, to a, a, a certain number of kids if I can, because because of what I want to do there. I, I want to be able to challenge them to um, unplug. I, I want to put them into really some smaller groups of, of you know, three to four uh, at the most where there can maybe be some really good conversations and reflection happening. And, uh, and so there, there's just, all of that plays into the who as well. So if I, if, if you do that for say, if you try to do five churches and you try to get 150 people there, to me, you're now getting into more of what I would consider a, a camp type setting where you're having to just manage a lot more people. Um, whereas in the retreat aspect of it, my purpose is is very, uh, very focused on um, some needs within my group, you know, some things. And so and that I want to be able to address certain things that I'm seeing um, within my group. So, for instance, and not just to ramble on, but, you know, I've got. I've got some kids in my group, and I've said this before, that have had phones since they were, say, 10 years old. And, and I've got kids in my group that are uh, 15 that just got their phone, right? And so I don't mean to center everything around technology, but again, this is, this is what we always gravitate to. 
you know, in a, in a, in a 24 hour period, I mean, our screen time is through the roof most of the days. Right. And that's true for our, our teenagers. And so for me, one of the main reasons why we need to retreat away is to just give a, give a taste of what it's like to not be in front of a screen. Right. And to actually have people in front of us and, and to even, uh, can I even say force a particular level of boredom? <laughs> right. Just to, just to say, Hey, yeah. Like, what are we going to do? We're not going to be able to watch TV. No, you're not, but there's Jenga over there and you can go play Jenga and have a great time. Um, you know, and just that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So I hope I answered. You did, but let me, let me jump back on something you said, or it, just to go back to it, it, you talked about this idea of, uh, intentionally making your students bored. I mean, um, and, and no, and I think that's great because one of the things that I've, I've recently read was that we aren't doing that as, um, as a society, we stand in line at the DMV. What do we do? We pull out our phone. We start going through Facebook. We don't just have moments where we're thinking about things and just kind of dwelling on, what's next in our life and, and spending yeah. some time. And, and that's especially true with our students. And so I love that, that retreat from technology to retreat from all those other things to pull away. So yeah. you got the where you've got the who, and I, I like that idea just of being able to take, okay, this is for my group and maybe they can bring a friend, maybe not. Um, but it's just a time for them to create relationships mm-hmm. and to, to dwell on whatever God is wanting to show them. So, you know, create relationships, create memories, you know, all, all of that. And and that really kind of dips into what you said we're getting into next is the value of of a retreat. Right. Um, And so I I don't want to jump ahead of you, but just to follow up, you know, that creating the boredom, like I I think there's a need. And and again, I may be wrong on this. uh, And I certainly know that you can take this, what I'm about to say too far, but I think, I think part of our job is to almost create a particular, not an anxiety, but an angst, right? Um, and so, like, when you get into a retreat area and you, and you remove technology, you know, you say, hey, this is a no-phone zone this weekend, then what that does to a person who is used to spending, say, six hours a day in front of a screen is it creates a certain level of uh, discomfort, that, because that's what they're that's what they're so used to, and 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 you do create this 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 uh, arena of potential boredom. Like, okay, what am I going to do? You know, and for a person who is maybe an introvert, that can be that can be difficult. But it, but it's also not a a meaningless exercise, and it's not meant to just say, all right, let's just drop a kid in this setting and then just you know stand back and see how they function. But but it's a matter of helping them actually come out of that discomfort and realize that there's real value in face-to-face conversations. There's real value in um, something other than what they so most uh, often put value in, right? Or which is their screens and all the things that come digitally to them. And, and so it it almost, it, it, it fights against this consumeristic atmosphere that we live in, this culture that we live in. And, and, starts starts kind of opening us up to how do we contribute to to the group right in in this setting i mean even to the to the point of where i can say to maybe three guys hey listen go get some firewood and let's build a fire and they may say well i've never built a fire before well hey this is a great place to 
to start, right? Um, let's go, let's go figure it out together. And, uh, but, but creating that angst is, I think there's, there's something there in terms of just helping us, helping them learn, learn a lesson. And without belaboring this point more than I already have, um, I did this with my two boys, uh, in a, in a smaller way, not too long ago. They, uh, they, they have a Nintendo switch and they're notorious for, kind of just leaving their games laying around, right? These little cards that, oh, yeah, to, yeah. you know, and so I, I walked into the house one day and I saw two, two Minecraft games that were just laying on the middle of the couch amongst all these other things. And so I swapped them up and I put them in a little baggie and I, I hit them away. And I walk in a couple of days later and there's like Mario Kart laying in the middle of the floor, right? I almost stepped on it. So I swiped it up and I put it in the little baggie and I hid it away. And I just kind of waited. I wanted to see, one, how long is it going to take for my boys to notice that these games are gone? Um, and then, two, what are they going to do when they do realize, you know? And and I tried to just let it lie. I didn't try to hint at it too much. I just wanted to see. I wanted to observe it. And, of course, it, it took some time, actually. I, I was surprised. I mean, that it took a little bit over a week for them to realize that one of those games wasn't there. And then when they did and they really wanted to play it, they started looking for it and they couldn't find it. And now all of a sudden they're starting to get concerned. They're like, where, where is this? And so again, I know this the whole time, you know, and some people might say, man, you're a cruel father. No, no, no. I don't, I don't think I am. I wanted to prove a point. Right. And then finally I I didn't let it go too long, but I did let them look for it. I mean, they were, and they were searching and, and looking and, and all this kind of, and I said, and I said, you, you better find it, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, eventually, you know, I, I came to them and again, this, all this happened once they realized they were missing, it happened within about a day. And I came to them and I said, listen, I have your games. Right. And all of a sudden the relief kind of came on them, but then they, they realized, oh man, daddy's about to prove a point, you know? <laughs> and I held up the games and I was like, listen, there's about $150 worth in this little baggie right here. You know, and then I proved the point, that kind of thing. And I made the point of, you know, take care of your stuff. All that to say, like I intentionally created an environment where they would be uncomfortable. I created discomfort for them in order for them to hopefully learn a lesson. And I think I'm within my, my bounds as a youth pastor to be able to do that on a certain level for students in student ministry. And the retreat is a place where I think we can do that, where, especially when it comes to technology and screens. So for me, that's, that's one of the huge values of having a, a retreat where it's a no cell phone zone, no tech zone, that kind of thing. And uh, in, in order to show them some truly valuable items that they often don't even consider to be part of their lives. That's good. I mean, retreating from technology allows for real connection and community to happen. I know that in a smaller way, we would, on our trips to, to soar, um, we'd have usually a six hour drive and we would tell them no headphones so that they could spend that same sort of time. So it was a little retreat in a van (laughs) until they decided that Nerf guns were a great thing for van (laughs) trips. So, yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's fun though. Right. It's fun. It creates memories, you know, that that's yeah. all good stuff. But yeah. Well, what yeah. other values do you have for us, Chris? Oh man. You know, the, the value of getting 
other people involved, I think is is so crucial to a to a good retreat. So, I'm again, I told you, I'm we're getting ready for a retreat. We're about a month away, and um, and so trying to get everything in order uh, is is a process, and and it's it's one of those where as a youth pastor, you have to realize you can't do everything. You know, you need help. Um, like I need I need adults there. I need people there. So like there's, you know, I've got a speaker coming. I've got I, I need small group leaders. Um, one of the big things is uh, food, right? I mean, you've got to feed these kids. And, and you, that's one of the differences. Like you, you're not just going to camp where there's a kitchen and, and people cooking food for you. You've got to kind of set all this up. And so you need to pick, like, again, talk about the location. Make sure you've got a location where um, you can you can feed kids more than just cereal, you know? And um, and so, you know, that's got me involved with, with parents in a particular way where I, I give responsibility away and, Man, I've been blessed with some great parents who are um, really, really gifted in hospitality. And, you know, I just kind of tell them, hey, look, here's here's what we're doing. Here's how many meals I've got planned. But other than that, I need help, you know, making this happen. And so I've got one parent that has sent me like a full menu, like, okay, here's what each meal is going to be. And here's what we need, all this kind of stuff. And I mean, so there's real value in not just delegation, but just the community aspect of it. So you get other people in your church involved. Don't think of this as just a place to get kids away from everybody and everything. Think about maybe a way that you can incorporate other people within your church. Um, mm-hmm. I've got a college student who is an Eagle Scout, and he, he doesn't excel so much in in like uh, the, the small group setting so much. I mean, he can do that, and he's, he, he's learning in that. But what he does excel at is building fires, uh, and, and being outdoorsy and, and just doing all that stuff. And so I wrote yeah. him recently and I just said, Hey, could you be the fire master, you know, at this upcoming retreat? And man, his eyes lit up, you know, and, <laughs> you know, and, and so I'm, I'm excited about that aspect. So just think about people in your church, right? How can you bring them in and say, Hey, we've got this coming up. Would you be willing to maybe have this one little part to play in it? I think there's real value there. We often think about volunteers and our student ministry as just being those that can lead a small group or teach or do something ministry, you know, quote unquote ministry at the church. But man, there's a lot of people who who want to help, who want to be involved. And this is, again, it's just a great way for you to incorporate them and move them in that area of ministry. Yeah. How about spiritual matters? What what value is there spiritually for our students and for, well, for and for the adults that are involved as well? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I, again, I think it's always good for us to get in a spot where we get to reflect, right? We, we get to we get to think back on maybe just the last year of our life and, and, and to challenge people to think spiritually about that, not just like pragmatically, like, oh, here's things that I accomplished, here's things I didn't accomplish. I'm talking about like, you know, we ask that theoretical question oftentimes as pastors, like, okay, where do you see yourself spiritually in three years, Right. Um, and, and we like projecting forward, but I think it's, I think it's important for us to get in places where we can reflect spiritually and think, okay, um, especially at the beginning of a year, right? Okay. Here's where I was last year and here's kind of where I wanted to be. And here's where I'm at. Like what, what are some, why is that, you know, and to be able to think, you know, about just all that and, and then to lead them according to God's word about how to, um, be renewed, you know, in, in certain aspects. And so, one of the ways that we're doing this in this particular retreat is we're focusing on loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your 
mind, with all of your strength, right? So with your whole being. And so we'll kind of be just notching down that list. You know, what does it look like to love the Lord your God with all of your heart? You know, what does that mean? And, and then to think about using our minds. And so that that's going to all come into play as in a reflective nature, but then also moving forward out of this space. Once we get back to the world where there are all these distractions, how can we maybe you know, carve out time in our day to be able to always be putting the Lord um, in our midst. You know, what does it look like for us to not just say that we're, we want Christ to be the center of our life, but to really, to really live um, with him as, as King and, and to have him at the center of our life. So I I think all of that uh, can be uh, almost in a resetting kind of way be Mm -hmm. done at a retreat. Let me ask you a more, I guess, more of a personal question. As a youth pastor with with two boys who are both under 10, is that correct? Yes. Okay. Both under 10, young guys. Mm -hmm. Um, Does your family go with you on this retreat? Yeah. So in the past, yes, they have. It, It depends on the location. It also depends on the age of my kids. So as everybody knows, 2020 and the the years, you know, the, the couple years after that coronavirus, COVID-19, uh, that, that all has kind of, it put things to a halt. And so like yeah. our last retreat before this one in February of 2023, our last retreat was in 2019. So it's been mm. a little time, yeah. right? Uh, because we just couldn't go with the places were shut down. There wasn't, I mean, we've done different things, but so this is, we're getting back on track, but yes. So I say that in the past, yes, they would come and, and be a part of, and just be there, right. Be, uh, hanging out, that kind of stuff. And, uh, and they plan to this year as well. And and I think it's good for them. I I, got to be careful with it because they'll one day be in the youth group. And so I want to, I want to kind of protect them from certain things that they will enjoy as teenagers later. But I think, you know, one of the, whether it's right or wrong, one of the, uh, the, the fringe benefits of being the youth pastor's son uh, or, or kid is that you, you usually find yourself in places that other kids your age maybe don't find themselves yet. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this is one of those places where it's just personally, it's easier for my wife and for me for us just all to be there. Um, but it also depends on the time of the year and, and all that kind of stuff. But I'm not afraid to bring them. I was just curious. I know that, uh, especially if you're dealing with part-time bivocational volunteer student ministry workers, if you're planning out a retreat, you may have to bring your children with you if they're under youth group age. But I I don't see a huge problem with that. And, you know, there may be others that have a a difference of opinion. Um, With me, it, it worked out on the other way. My kids normally didn't go with me on a lot of those things, but just because of where they were at, they were a little too close to that youth group age for it uh, until they were in. And so, um, yeah, well, we've talked about what a retreat is. We've talked about the value of retreats. Um, the next time we come back to this topic, we're going to talk about some of the content and the logistics uh, dealing with a good retreat. And so we just wanted to get you thinking about it. If you haven't had a retreat or if you want to be thinking about one, You need to think in advance. You need to spend some time dwelling on what's best for your group, time of year, all of those things together. But we want to spend time thinking about them because it's important, just like all these other things. We want to be intentional. We want to take time. We want to see if there's um, something there for our group uh, 
in in that type of of setting for ministry. Well, again, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for sharing with us. Uh, We can't wait for the next conversation as we continue talking about student ministry because student ministry matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.